This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. The modern view of the family and raising children is that we're supposed to throw away hundreds and hundreds of years of the family concept so that we're told now that parents should not impose their beliefs onto their kids. We're told that parents must not instruct them in areas of religion or morality. We're told that parents should not try to exercise authority over their kids. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. My name's Aaron, and you're listening to Today with Jeff Fines. Hello and welcome. Today, Pastor Jeff finishes a message from his series on the Ten Commandments. This time, he's looking at the verses, honor your father and mother. So far in this series, we've looked at coveting, stealing, and yet to come, the commandments on making idols and other gods. You can hear all of these episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines. Let's hear the rest of today's message now as we finish the topic of honor and respect. The word honor is not obey because the Bible does not command you to obey your parents all your life, but it does command you to honor them. And the Hebrew word for honor, you know what it means? Space. That's the word for it. What? The understanding is that even as you grow older and disagree with your parents, you honor and respect them enough to stop, give them space. Even when they talk about political things you don't care about, even when they talk about their religion, even when they talk about something that just you don't agree with, you give them the space that least respect to hear them, but you don't have to do what they tell you to do. There's a difference between obedience and honor. Again, Proverbs 23, listen to your father who gave you life. I love that, don't you? He brought you into the world, give him some, give him some space. And do not despise your mother when she is old. So stay with me. I know there are a lot of questions. So first, the form of the family is a covenant. But what is the content of the family? What are we supposed to do? Why did God ordain the family? And it's for a very simple reason. God ordained the family so the parents, father and mother, could teach the children the moral order of the universe. Your job as a parent is to teach, admonish, encourage, guide, direct the child toward the foundational truths of this universe, which means this, the calling on your life is to give your children your worldview. And so if you're a Christian, your job is to give them your Christian worldview of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. You're supposed to teach your kid where he or she came from, God created in his image. You're supposed to teach them that the meaning of their lives is to honor, serve, and glorify God. You're supposed to teach them that morality does not come from feeling, but it's based on the objective word of God who's revealed his word through scripture. And you're supposed to teach them about destiny. In Hebrews 9, we're told it is appointed once to man once to face the judgment or to die and then to face the judgment. Appointed unto man once to die, then to face the judgment. Your job is what? Teach them they came from God, they live for God, they obey God, and one day they're going to stand before God and give an account of the way they've lived their lives. That's your job right there in a nutshell. Now, do you know how aggressively this pushes against the modern view of raising children? Oh my. The modern view of the family and raising children that is displayed in hundreds and hundreds of beautifully illustrated works of art and literature, it demands that this generation, and I'm afraid it's creeping into your parenting skills or lack of or ours, the modern view of raising children is that we're supposed to throw away 
hundreds and hundreds of years of the family concept so that we're told now that parents should not impose their beliefs onto their kids. We're told that parents must not instruct them in areas of religion or morality. We're told that parents should not try to exercise authority over their kids. Instead, the role of the parent, according to the modern view, is that you, as, you and I as mother and father give them emotional warmth. Just love and give them emotional warmth. That's the job of the parent. I'm sorry, but when I read these articles, and there's a lot of reading that goes into this. I'll mention the Carnegie report in a moment, but I just can't help but think of my dad. I come home late. Dad told me to be home at 11. I come in at 1230. I can just imagine my dad, come here. Let me give you some emotional warmth. <laughs> oh, there's going to be warmth though, right? But it's, it's going to be someplace else. The modern view says, the modern view says that let the kid determine their own boundaries of right and wrong, their own values of what's important, what's not important. Let them make up their own minds about sex and drugs and all these other harmless practices. Let them decide what is appropriate or inappropriate. And you as a parent, ethically speaking, don't get involved. The only thing you need to do is support them in whatever decision they make. <laughs> you know, 50 years ago, they asked parents, what do you want most for your child? And the response categorically was, I just want my kid to be an upstanding citizen in this community and to do what is right. 10 years ago, they asked the same question. Over 80% of the parents said, well, I just want my kid to be happy. Really? What if he's robbing banks? What if she's a hypochondriac? What if he's beating his wife? What if she's drinking herself in oblivion? Well, as long as they're happy, I'm okay with it. You didn't get that from scripture. You got that from a culture who sucked you in to a way of parenting that is so anti-biblical. The Carnegie Foundation, a very influential report that came out just a few years ago in a work called All Our Kin, not a good book, but the conclusion was this. The conclusion is, now you think about what it's saying. Parents do not have the expertise to tell the child what is right and wrong and what life is ultimately about. So you should send them to the experts and allow them to do it. Your job as a parent, because you're stupid, is to just give them emotional warmth and to get your kids into the right schools and the right experts to help socialize your children. Now, the obvious question is, who determines who the experts are? Who are the experts? And what happens when the expert is Hitler? He said, I want to raise a generation of young people devoid of a conscience, imperious, relentless, and cruel. Many parents in Germany gave their children to a psychopath. While they stood by passively and provided emotional warmth. The Bible teaches something incredibly different. It says that your job as a parent is not merely, emotional warmth is part of it, but not merely emotional warmth. Your job is to teach your kids what is worth living for, what is worth dying for, to give them the foundation that really matters in origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Yeah. Folks, there's no way, absolutely no way little children can begin to make choices in life unless they are already in possession of a rationale or worldview upon which to interpret everything else in life. And you say, well, I disagree with you, Pastor. Well, understand something. You're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with Scripture. 
As long as you know who you're disagreeing with. Because God told the first people, and he was very, very emphatic. He said, you shall teach them diligently, these commands, to your sons. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. These were called phylacteries. They were scriptures, little boxes that you tied to the wrist and to the forehead to symbolize that what you do comes from scripture and what you think comes from scripture. And so it amazes me. Yeah, hey, have you ever been in a relationship, guys, where the, 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 the woman that you hope to marry is about to break it off and the reason she tells you is you never tell me that you love me. And he says, well, it's implied. That marriage ain't gonna work. That's why a lot of you as parents do with your kids. You know, never tell them your worldview. You never tell them what you believe. You never lay it out in guidelines for them. But you say, well, it's implied I go to church. Hey, a lot of people go to church that don't have a Christian worldview. The Bible says, and by the way, you don't have to teach your child, this is important, every application of your worldview. <laughs> there's not enough time. And you're not going to be able to be with your child every time they face a decision, right? You can't. When the first time they face the temptation of sex or alcohol or drugs or you're not going to be able to be there. So how do you prepare them? Now listen, this is the best illustration I could come up with. And the good news is it's original with me. The bad news is it's original with me. <laughs> let's say, this is so important. Let's say that just for the sake of argument, you say to your child, you see that door? You see that closet? Don't go into it. Now, if you wait till your child messes up and then try to explain why, it's too late. It's too late. But if you're active rather than reactive, and you say to your child, don't go into that closet, but long before you ever said don't go into that closet, you've already taught him origin, meaning, morality, destiny. Here's how he's going to approach it. First off, if you haven't taught him that, he's going to be suspicious and ask you why. He's going to think there's something in there you don't want him to have. And human nature is, your kid is evil. You know that, don't you? <laughs> now, I know parents, when I say that, oh, my kid, oh, I'm going to get, no, listen. You know the Bible tells you that your kid has a propensity toward the wrong thing. My kid, in fact, we're grown-up kids, and we still have a propensity to do the wrong thing. So you need to understand that. That's just the reality. The Bible says the heart of man is wicked. Secular humanism says that man is basically good. It's just his behavior that lets him down. And so... You're going into the door here. But if I've prepared my kid in such a way and I've done my job, here's what the kid does. The kid says, okay, I'm not supposed to go into the closet. Maybe it's because I wasn't built for the closet. Maybe it's because there's a God who loves me that tells me, you go into that closet, you violate your design and it will cause disintegration of your soul. And if I do go into the closet, do not be fooled. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Accountability. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to ensure that there's no way your kid's going in the closet. I'm just saying that at least he'll pause before he does and think about the worldview that you've given to your son or your daughter. And the Bible says the best deterrent to evil is the law of God. That's why the Bible says the law of God is life. Life. Not restriction, but life to allow you to live life abundantly, freely, and completely. And that's what our culture doesn't get. Now, one more thing before I move on to the third point, and this is where we're really moving. Your, your job is to make sure your kid knows 
Origin, meaning, morality, destiny. Does that mean that if your kid walks away from your worldview that you failed as a parent? Because some of you are saying, Jeff, if this is true, this is my job as a parent, I have failed as a parent because my children have walked away from my worldview. Does that make you a failure? No. God does not hold you responsible for the decisions your kids make. God holds you responsible for giving and communicating your worldview to your kids. The sin isn't in that they walk away from it. The sin is the violation of the purpose of parenthood is to point your children toward God. Now, there's one other thing. Do you know that the Bible says you can't do this effectively without discipline? That in our culture, love and discipline don't go together. You can't possibly have both. In the Bible, they're inseparable. And the parent who doesn't discipline is a coward, according to Scripture. It takes love and discipline. And again, the motivation is this. This is the way God treats you. Would, would you expect God, if you're going down the wrong road to destruction, to not step in and intervene and do something that would get your attention? Hebrews 12 says God disciplines those he loves. So God only does in you what he expects you to do as a parent in your kids. Now, I'm not saying take your kid out behind the woodshed and smack him around. Now, it worked for me. It did. But it doesn't work for all kids. It doesn't work for all kids. Both my kids were entirely different. By the way, just so you know, I'm not making this up. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. The Greek words translated training, discipline, it's a military term, and it includes punishment or ramification for law-breaking, and then instruction is the Greek word for teaching. But your kids will be different. And, and I think this is the sense of humor God has. Because we had Delaney, passive, compliant child. And we thought all children were like this. <laughs> and God lets you do that. And then we had my daughter, Sion, who looks innocent enough and cute enough. She really did. <laughs> Doesn't that look like a nice little girl? Really? <laughs> Let me tell you about this little girl. She was a little reign of terror. That's what she was. <laughs> I, remember, I remember she's like six or seven and we're in the hallway, and I told her to go to her room, and she said no. And I said, you better go to your room, and she said no again. So I smacked her on her little diaper. Do not send me emails. I don't care what you think about that. <laughs> I smacked her on her little diaper, and as soon as I smacked her on her little diaper, she gave me a right hook right to the cheek. And I got to tell you, I was, it, it, it was so out of the blue that I, I was so shocked, and I, I began laughing, you know. And, it, and she was quick, man, quick. So I gave her another little pat, and man, she gave me another one just as quick as the other one. And it's like, this is a fun game, Dad. Man, I picked her up, and I marched her in her room, and I said, you stay there until you're willing to come out and respect your father. And she would have stayed in there the rest of her life. She, 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 would, she is not coming out because she's strong-willed. But here's what I learned. If a father or a mother will be consistent with a strong-willed child, the chances are high that this strong will is a God-ordained thing. And then they'll turn that strong will into a strong-willed young woman who will not be easily swayed by anybody. Strong-willed children are gifts from God. You just don't know it at the time. So if you don't kill them, they'll turn out to be great kids. Okay, I got to keep going. Last point. J.I. Packer says the kind of love we really need is love that is completely accepting and completely unconditional and yet never puts up with self-destructive behavior. You hear that? That's the love. Completely accepting, completely unconditional, and yet it never puts up with self-destructive behavior. Here's what I want you to hear. 
honor your father and mother assumes that you've grown up. You're not a child anymore. Honor does not mean obey. What is honor? It's not an emotion, is it? It's a moral choice. So even if you had terrible parents, I mean just terrible parents, the Bible says you can honor them. You may not feel like honoring them, but you can choose to honor them. But you'll never be able to do it until you realize who your real father is. Not until you recognize the purpose of parenthood will you be able to honor your parents. No parent can live up to this. Again, J.L. Packer, the kind of love we really need is love that is completely accepting, completely unconditional, and yet never puts up with self-destructive behavior. Well, good luck on finding a parent like that. Which means that most of us come into adulthood feeling like our parents didn't do a very good job between love and discipline, which means none of us feel like that we've received the love that we truly needed or wanted. Do you see how all of this is a setup? Why did God ordain marriage? To conform you to the image of his son. To make you like Christ. That's the purpose of marriage. You thought it was just for sex and pleasure, didn't you? Well, at least the guys did, but... The purpose of it ultimately is to make you like Christ. Because you know what? In the marriage, you're going to learn forgiveness and grace and mercy, or you're not going to stay married. And again, people say to me, man, I'd be happy if I was just married. Those people have never been married. (laughs) Marriage is great, but marriage is work. It's a pointer to something else. Same thing with sex. Why did God ordain sex? Because he wanted to show you that there is is, uh, vulnerability And there is intimacy in this relationship of a covenant commitment, but there's still something lacking. There's still something that's not quite right. Family's the same way. He ordains the mother and the father to be godlike to you. That is that they're supposed to raise you. You're supposed to respect them as authority. They're supposed to give you your significance, your self-esteem. But the problem is no parent does it perfectly. And so it's supposed to be a pointer to something else. In all of these relationships that are incomplete, it's supposed to get you pointed toward the completeness of what you're looking for, which can only be found in your relationship with God. Do you know what it is? It's deliberately induced frustration. He deliberately frustrates you in all these relationships to a degree, even though it gives you a lot of pleasure, in some cases not so much in others, but it frustrates you because you know there's still something lacking that is supposed to make you run to a father who loves you like he loved his own son who's adopted you into his family that will never kick you out and will give you the blessings of your life and ultimate fulfilling that you've been searching for since the day you were born and so in John 17 Jesus says father I want you to love them even as you loved me do you know what that's like listen Charles Tooley, an American sociology king, he developed this thing called the looking glass self. And here's the definition. He says, a person's self-concept is determined by what he thinks the most important person in his life thinks about him. So think about the most important person in your life. Whatever they think about you is probably what you think about yourself. And then if you piggyback on that, Plato's triangle illustration where he said, all of us, our lives are like a triangle. And you start listing the most important things at the base. And then as you climb toward the apex, you're only going to have room for one thing. And whatever that one thing is will rule your life. Now put those two together. 
If your self-esteem and love and everything that you're looking for is based on your parents, you're going to be let down every single time. They're only human and they're flawed. But if Jesus is the most important thing in your life, then your self-esteem is going to be off the charts because nobody loves you like he does. That's the point. And the only way you're ever going to be able to honor your father, who was abusive, your mother, who was just chronic complainer, the only way you'll ever be able to honor them is stop expecting to get from them what they cannot deliver and turn your heart toward God. That is the only way. If you don't, if you don't, if you had really good parents, you're going to spend your life idolizing them. If you had really bad parents, you're going to spend your life being bitter and you're going to let them hurt you over and over and over again. Your whole life, you're just going to be mad. Stop it. <laughs> they can deliver. Listen, I talk about my dad, but I only tell you the good stuff, right? I, could t- I got a long list of stupid stuff. Like the time he shot my brother Jody's gerbil. My little brother had a little gerbil little hamster, and he got into the rat poison behind the refrigerator, and my dad had just bought a 45, and he wanted to try it out. So he said to my little brother Jody, he said, son, your gerbil's in a lot of pain and suffering, going to die. We need to put him out of his misery. And he looks at me and says, Jeff, go get my gun. We go out in the backyard in Tennessee where everybody owns a gun. He shoots that gerbil. Do you know what happens when a 45 hits a gerbil? It's like a flying squirrel. So yeah, I remember my dad doing some pretty crazy things. But let me tell you something. I sat beside my father when he's dying and he's got the oxygen in and I'm just sitting there and suddenly it dawned on me, man. And I'm so glad I had the time to tell my dad. My father's father was horrible. I mean, he beat my father with a shovel and my dad walked like this as long as I'd known him because of injuries to his back. My father's father was in the Second World War, and he would cut the tongues out of people he killed and keep them in a jar. It's an evil man. I started thinking, how on earth did my father break that cycle and be as good as he was? And in that moment, I stopped expecting my dad to be perfect. And I noticed I was able to love my dad and honor my dad in a way that I really never had before. I'd always loved and honored, but not like this. And I told dad, dad, you are a great dad. And I told you this story. He died the next day. Your parents are flawed. You're a flawed parent. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. They're pointers to a greater relationship. And everything you're looking for in your parents, if you'll stop looking for it from them, and turn your attention toward God, your self-esteem and your peace and joy will be off the charts. And you'll, you'll find it in your heart to forgive your dad and mom, no matter how bad they were, you will. Because you'll realize your expectations were probably unfair. Now, for some of you, I understand that your parents were so bad, the best thing you could do is never see them again because you would put yourself back in a situation of abuse. But you still need to forgive them and honor them from a distance. From a distance. It might be a card. It might be, I don't, I just know that the commandment is honor your father and mother, that that keeps a society together. So your job and my job to continue to honor our parents, giving them space as best we can. And the only way you're going to be able to do that, forgive. Forgive. And the only way you're going to be able to forgive is to stop asking your parents to give you something only God can give. Father, I thank you and praise you for your goodness, for the power of your word. I thank you for opening our eyes again to this truth. 
that you have established an ordained marriage, a covenant between a man and a woman. You have ordained the family, a covenant between husband and wife, parents with children. That while it's a lifetime of loyalty, our job as parents is to give our children everything they need to move out in the world confidently, successfully, to stand on their own, inspire us to give them the worldview that is coherent, the one that lasts, the one that is eternal, the one that will give them peace and stability in the midst of a harsh world. And finally, Father, I pray for the power of forgiveness to enter this room. We'd forgive our fathers and pursue the Father that can give us everything we're looking for in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Finds wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.